The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. I have missed you since our last episode, but I'm back, and so are you, and I'm so happy that you're tuning in. You know, COVID-19 has really wrecked havoc on a lot of us. We have been trapped indoors for so long, and now that we are finally emerging from COVID-19, some of us are emerging a little bit overweight, perhaps, We've turned to different comfort items to soothe us through these difficult months, these, these oh, excruciating months. And whether it's alcohol or food, yes, uh, some of us have probably indulged a little bit too much. Well, my next guest has had a problem in the past with obesity, and it ran in the family, and it was very difficult for her to feel welcomed and to feel treated with dignity and respect, even her doctors would shame her. Imagine having that kind of weight and not being treated humanely. That's what she went through. Her inspirational story will really open your eyes to what it is like for someone who has that much weight. She turned her life around, however. She made things different, and now she is coaching people to take control of their lives. If you happen to be dealing with a weight problem and you want help, there is help out there. And I encourage you to turn to someone for that guidance and for that help, like my next guest. And it is with pleasure that I introduce you to Sandra Ilya. Hello, Sandra, and welcome to Inspire Us. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to have you on. I was reading your story and it really moved me. I don't think enough people really understand what obesity means and what it can do to people and how it, it, it's a challenge for the people who are suffering from that. Would you mind explaining your circumstances and your story with us? Yeah, certainly. My uh, journey with obesity is really part of my family legacy. Um, my mom had me a little later in life. And uh, when she was pregnant with me, she was living with obesity and mental uh, illness, which is an often a combination that often goes hand in hand together. And so by virtue of just being born and the role that genes play in obesity, the likelihood of me developing obesity was well over 50% because my mother had struggled with it. And I often say that um, I never really knew my mom because she was living with obesity and she was sick for most of my life. And we really switched roles early on and I became her caregiver. And mm -hmm. we searched for a really long time uh, to find a way to help her. And I became her health advocate at the tender age of eight, if you can believe it. And she didn't speak English. So I was also her translator. And, you know, this, we're going back 40 years ago. So uh, going to the doctor for issues of weight and mental health meant that you would be shamed. 
and you would get very little empathy. And they used things like scare tactics. You know, you're going to be dead in a couple of months if you don't lose weight and change the way you eat. And you know, here was a woman with four children told to lose weight and die. And some people think, well, that must have scared her straight. No, it had the exact opposite effect. It drove her further into her depression and further, further into eating for comfort. And so we developed a very codependent relationship um, that took about 10 years to untangle. And I really did almost go down with her. And in my 20s, I was following in her footsteps. I was living with morbid obesity. I was struggling with mental health. I, it all came to a head when I was 29 years old. I, you know, I wish I could tell you that obesity only affects your weight and your eating, but obesity really touches every area of your life. And for me, every area of my life was spiraling out of control. I was in a bad marriage, um, but I used food to cope with it. So it seemed tolerable. I was, um, very depressed. The foods that I was eating, ultra processed, junky processed foods caused me to feel very depressed. And um, I was off work on sick leave. So it was really a dark time in my life. Um, and like most people, you know, you hit absolute rock bottom and then you've only got one way to go, <laughs> which was up. Right, right. Well, you have two ways to go, but you chose to go up. Thank goodness. Yes. You're right. I could have rock bottom, you know, you can still find a way to keep digging. <laughs> you, well, you certainly can. Yes, exactly. And regrettably, some people do. Some people never, never get up off the mat once they're down that, that low. What was it, what was it that changed your uh, perspective? And what was it that challenged you to make that difference and starting to take control of that situation? Yeah, so I, my journey really started in a peculiar place and, and people often, you know, kind of frown when I say this, but it honestly started from a place I did not care if I ever lost a pound again. So I'm 29 years old, I'm over 260 pounds, I'm only five foot two, so I'm very <laughs> short, um, and I'm struggling to walk for more than 15 minutes. I live with chronic debilitating back pain and I said, you know what, that's it. That's it. I'm not going on another diet. I'm not going to do the deprivation. Whether I lose another pound or not does not matter anymore. I cannot keep living like this and I can't keep eating like this and I can't hate myself this much. And so I just decided that I had to find a way to eat to be sane and I had to figure out a way to clean up my life because there were so many broken dysfunctional areas of my life that were causing me to run to food for comfort you know for other people that comfort might come in alcohol shopping gambling for me it was food and i identify as a food addict i use food the same way that an alcoholic uses alcohol to obliviate pain to escape to not feel um you know and that's the way i used food and so for me the first step was, I don't care if I ever lose another pound again. The next step was I got to stop using these drugs. And yes, my drugs are available at the grocery store and are available via Uber Eats, but they're still drugs. The way that they interact with my reward center in my brain, the way they overwhelm my reward center, where just having a little bit makes me want to have more and more and more and more. See, that's the difference between someone who's a food addict and not a food addict, they can have a treat and be like, wow, that was good and move on with their day. 
very similar to someone who is not living with alcoholism. They can have a glass of wine and they can savor it and then they move on with their day. But somebody living with alcoholism, they have that one glass and they know they're going to finish the bottle and they're going to look for the next bottle and they're going to be out. Right, right. And that's so true. And a lot of people don't, they don't make that uh, distinction, do they? Uh, What, may I ask you what it was like, uh, how were you treated by the people who surrounded you or that you interacted with? Um, You must have put up with a lot of shaming and a lot of, um, a lot of people who rejected you. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's so interesting. So, you know, I, I was living with that debilitating back pain and I went to the doctor and I said, you know, I think I need an MRI. Like I can't get in and out of the car. I can't walk for very long. And uh, the answer was no, it's because it's you're heavy. So if you lose weight, then you'll be fine. And I remember leaving so deflated. Like I, I don't even have a right to healthcare. Like other people have a right to healthcare. If I was a normal weight and I went in complaining about back pain, I would have received treatment. Um, today, if I go in with back pain, I receive treatment instantly. Um, but back then, because I was living with morbid obesity, the answer was always, it's because you're too heavy. And so that really stopped me from going to the doctor for any health concern because I was just too ashamed. And not only was I heavy, I was getting heavier and heavier. So there was no way I was going to go back to her and and talk about any kind of health condition because I had been so embarrassed and, you know, I, I also worked at the same firm for 15 years. And so the firm hired me at one weight <laughs> and um, I had just gone on a super restrictive diet. So I had lost 50 pounds. And so they hired me at one weight. And um, after any restrictive diet, this is very important for people to hear. That is called what I call an artificial famine. Okay. Your brain has no idea that this is an artificial famine, that you're trying to fit into a dress for a wedding, right? So what happens when you are in famine, which was a real human threat, uh, was throughout the centuries, your brain, a cascade of events happened in your brain to make you find food, seek food, and eat as much food as possible because it believes it's a matter of life or death. That's why they always say after every famine, comes the feast. And my feast included not only regaining the 50 pounds, but an additional 50. So this firm hired me at one week and then watched me gain a hundred pounds over a year and a half. Um, so, and then they watched me take it all off again, because I was there for 15 years. And so, yeah, did people treat me differently at different ways? A hundred percent. However, I have a theory and this is only my theory. Um, when I was at my heaviest, I was filled with so much self-hatred, so much self-condemnation. I was literally vibrating, stay the F away from me. Cause I just didn't want anybody in my space. I was embarrassed. Um, and people reflected that back to me. Mm. And then when I began to love myself unconditionally and that love started at 260, right? So the love had to be unconditional. It couldn't be when I lost a hundred pounds, it had to be unconditional, unchanging. And when I loved myself and revered myself and accepted myself and held my shoulders differently, and I was welcoming those people mirrored the same thing back. So I get asked a lot about fat shaming. And the truth is I could have just believed that my colleagues were jerks. Yeah, they were jerks. They, they treated me poorly when I was heavy and, and different when I lost the weight. But I don't believe that because I've known them for so long. I've knew them for 15 years. They weren't jerks. They were mirroring back 
my internal environment and my internal environment and my heaviest was hostile and uh, aggressive. And that's what was mirrored back to me in situations and in people. And then, you know, today I have an internal environment that is loving and peaceful. And the more at peace I am with myself, the more at peace I'm with other people. And voila, I uh, attract beautiful people in beautiful situations <laughs> and beautiful opportunities. I was just having a call with one of my colleagues last night and I was talking about this recent move. And I said, but you know what? Everything always works out. And he said, only for you, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because, you know, I've changed my belief system. And even when things don't work out, I believe they worked out. So I don't want everybody to think, oh, you're just lucky. No, no. Even when things don't go my way, I have a practice of saying thank you. Thank you, universe, because I'm being saved from something that's not for me, that wasn't going to make me happy anyways. And when things work out, I say thank you. Right. Oh, wow. You touched on a lot of things. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Whatever we give out, we usually receive in return, right? The th this theory of reciprocation. So yeah, if you're going to be hostile or, or even that body language that you project, people pick up on that and they'll give you what you're, you're giving them. That's so true. And you know what was interesting though? I, that self hatred, I didn't project anyone. Like most people would have just said, no, no, she's lovely. Like I never said rude things, but all of it was an internal turmoil that people picked up on. Isn't that interesting? Uh, that's fascinating. How did, how did you lose the weight permanently? What was it that, that motivated you to do that? Because now you've lost how much? Yeah, I lost a uh, hundred pounds over 15 years ago. Now I don't weigh myself. So my weight is none of my business. <laughs> my business is to eat whole foods and move my body and wherever my weight ends up, it ends up. And so in the last 15 years, I have had relapses. So that means like I've regained some weight and taken it off and regained some weight and taken it off. And that's everybody's journey. And that's what it really looks like. But of course, media doesn't show you that, right? Media just shows you the dramatic before and after. <laughs> and forever and ever, they're just going to be like that. And that's just not the truth. The way that I took the weight off was I identified as a food addict and identified my trigger foods. And trigger foods are foods that you obsess about, foods that once you start, it's very difficult to stop, foods that often will then lead to a binge. So those foods almost always contain sugar, refined sugar and refined flour, right? So rarely do we meet anybody who binges on salmon and steamed asparagus because, <laughs> and salmon and, and asparagus is delicious. It's one of my favorite. I had salmon for lunch. It was delicious, um, but it's a whole food, a whole right. natural food. So right. our body knows how to react to whole natural foods. We become satiated. There's tons of chewing and fiber. Um, but with these ultra processed foods, right? So the combination of sugar, salt, fat, um, these are combinations never found in nature. They're unnatural and our body doesn't know how to react to them. And for some of us, right? Like, like me, when I have them, it's my brain just goes more, more, more. Um, so that's, that's really what I did. I identified my foods that were like drug foods. I eliminated them. I left myself. I moved my body always in fun ways and really dump the scale in the trash because, you know, obviously, you know, during COVID, like many, many others, my weight has gone up, but I don't know how much, and it doesn't matter. 
I'm just trying to be really gentle with myself because we're in a world pandemic and I don't know anybody who's else who's lived through a world pandemic. It's not like I can call up my Auntie M and say, how did you make it through it? You know, the world, we're all in this together. And so if I can come out of this pandemic a little bit heavier than, or, or anybody else, then you're a success. It's okay. No, that's very true. And so many people will um, be coming out of it a little heavier and they'll deal with it when, when the time comes, which is really important. You've gone we're on. Alive. We're Sorry. alive. And we... is, yeah. And a lot of people aren't alive at the end of this pandemic. Oh, that's so true. And it's, it's a sad situation that we all find ourselves in and it's a struggle. You're right. So if, if we can get out of this alive, we're, we're one step ahead, right? Now you have done so much uh, as a result of, of this. You've become a, um, a coach, a certified uh, professional coach and a director of education and patient advocacy for obesity action. Tell us about that. Yeah, so not only did I become a coach, uh, I also became a food addiction counselor. Um, so I left that Bay Street job, um, oh my gosh, it's over 10 years ago. And I had to make a 360, I reinvented myself. So first I became a certified coach and then somebody who knows me really well said, oh, are you gonna help food addicts? And I was like, no, <laughs> I said, I can't. me, I can't help food addicts, no way. Because I really had in my mind that people would only wanna take advice from somebody who's on the cover of a health magazine, right? Like in a bikini and a six pack. And well, that's just not me. So I thought, how can I possibly help people? Uh, and so, you know, it's so interesting. The universe kind of taps you on the shoulder. And yeah. then, um, I just put my toe in the pool. Like I said, I'll try it out. And oh my gosh, as soon as I put the toe in the water opportunities, it came rushing towards me. Doors opened for me. Like I created Ontario's first outpatient program for food addiction. I helped create Canada's first 28 day residential treatment for food addiction. Um, my program, people like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have gone through my program. I get emails every day about how it's changed their lives. So that was such a blessing. Um, and then my patient advocacy work is with Obesity Action. That's a new nonprofit organization. And we're grassroots here in Canada. And we just want to be the voice for so many people who feel voiceless who are sort of um, forgotten about and people don't wanna hear from them because obesity is a real medical condition. You know, very few people know that your weight is determined by your genetics more than your height. So more than your height. If you, right, and we all accept that our height is genetic, right? Mm, yes, we do. All like my dad, I'm sure, like my mom, like we don't even question it. But what we don't, what we do question is um, obesity or weight issues. So if somebody were to say, you know what, obesity runs on my mother's side, they say, yeah, but you should just eat less. That's just an excuse. Don't give me that, right? We're just heartless uh, about it when it comes to obesity. It is a real medical condition. It's based in the brain. Uh, we're learning more and more about it. There's so many contributing factors that are outside of a person's control, yet the finger of blame is always pointed at the person struggling. Um, so I'm incredibly passionate about my advocacy work. In a lot of ways, it's my um, way to honor my mom because I wasn't able to save her. She died at the age of 69 from obesity, mm. which is way too young. I lost my mom way too young. And um, 
you know, I'm, I can help others. I can, I always say, you know, if, if my mom were alive today, I would be a very different advocate, but I was just so young. And I also believed that we had to eat less and move more. And so we were both filled with shame every time we went to the doctor. Right. Wow. And I, I just, I see you, but regrettably, our listeners won't be able to see you, but you've got this glow and this smile and this energy about you that is so, it's intoxicating. It really is. Like, it's just a joy to talk to you and you're so well-spoken. So I know that you're helping so many people out there and you've brought to me and to my listeners, well, a lot of my listeners, I'm sure, a different understanding. Um, When we see somebody who is obese, there's a lot of things that you've given me to think about here um, that I never would have considered have I not, you know, touched uh, base with you. So I really appreciate this. How can people get a hold of you and how can they, you know, speak with you? Do you have a book? Do you have any, any uh, yeah. website? So a couple of things you can head over to Facebook and it's called three sales. So the number three and then sales S A I L S. And that is a place where you can get a ton of free content. I've partnered with Dr. Sandy Van. She's one of Canada's top obesity docs. And we do a weekly show. So very similar to you. We keep it down to 20 minutes. It's so much fun. Um, What people love about our show is we rarely talk about weight, but it is a weight management show. But we know it's not about the weight. It's not about the food. It's about everything else. So uh, I highly recommend. Otherwise, people can just email me and ask questions about my programs at contact at sandralea.com. That's the easiest way to get in touch. I will put that in the show notes. And thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing that. You've really made a difference. So thank Thank you. Continue doing the excellent job that you're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you for providing everybody with a platform and a voice to get these good messages out. You take care and thank you again. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.